Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. What's up, college football fans? Happy week one, and welcome to Countdown to Kickoff here on 102.9750 The Game. It is part of Oregon College Game Day. I'm Jude Danubi. Neil Lomax will be coming up in moments, co-hosting with me on Countdown to Kickoff, and we'll also, of course, have the Oregon College Football postgame show each and every Saturday here at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. T-minus two hours from kickoff for the Oregon Ducks and Bowling Green Falcons. Oregon favored by about 34 points now in their week one season opener. Is this the year that Justin Herbert contends for the second Heisman Trophy in Oregon Duck program history? Is this the year that Oregon reestablishes their identity with a new head coach, their third in as many seasons. Is this a year that the Ducks become a sneaky contender in maybe not just the Pac-12 North, but the Pac-12 as a whole? We start to find out the answer to all of those questions today at 5 o'clock on the Pac-12 Network for the Ducks and Bowling Green, a game that the Ducks should win comfortably, of course, but there are still plenty of questions that remain unresolved and will continue to be unresolved past week one, past week two, and even past week three. Because let's be honest, folks, this is a cupcake of a non-conference schedule for the first three weeks of the season until the Ducks get to host Stanford, who looked unimpressive for a half of football against San Diego State last night. But when the Cardinal come into Autzen Stadium at the last week of September, we're really going to see what this Oregon Duck team is made of. If you want to sound off, on your thoughts as you make your way down to Eugene as well for Oregon and Bowling Green. Call in 503-417-7575. Coming up in about 10 minutes, I'm going to talk to Nick Aliotti of the Pac-12 Network, the former Ducks defensive coordinator. What are his thoughts on this Oregon team? Again, remember, picked to finish third in the preseason media poll in the Pac-12 North with Washington, of course, as the clear-cut favorite and Stanford one rung below Washington in terms of expectations in the North and then the Ducks a rung below them. But I asked Coach Aliotti, I talked to him about an hour ago, I asked him, does he think the Ducks are also the third best team in the North, or does he think they have a sneaking chance to contend for that North Division title? As we dwell on that topic, we're also looking up at the TVs in front of us, and we're watching Washington take on Auburn. We are watching eagerly to see if the Huskies have the physicality and the toughness in the trenches to contend with an SEC team that they were unable to do so two years ago when they played Alabama in the college football playoff. We all remember how that went. Judging how things were going early in uh, in Atlanta today, Auburn was the much more physical team, the much more hard-nosed team in the trenches. But Washington has stemmed the tide. That's currently 15-13, to 13, Tigers over the Huskies, 5.09 to go in the third quarter. We will keep you up to date, of course, on that score, on, on every score in the Pac-12 and the top 25, particularly, of course, Washington-Auburn, because that has immense implications for the Pac-12 and their chances of making it back into the college football playoff. Also for us, coming up at 3.30 here on 102.9750, the game going to transition to Portland Timbers programming. They are out on the East Coast today. So at 3.30, it will be the Portland Timbers pregame show. But have no fear. Countdown to kickoff will simply 
meander its way down on the FM dial just a couple of ticks. 101.1 FM, KXL, from 3.30 to 5. Myself, Neil Lomax. We're going to be talking college football, all things Ducks. We're also going to be recapping the Beavers game and uh, Columbus, the Portland State season opener. We'll get uh, Neil Sots, of course, Neil being the uh, Portland State legend in the late 70s and uh, 1980 as well. The second round pick in the NFL draft in 1980 to the St. Louis Cardinals. Played near a decade of football in the pros. Went to a couple of Pro Bowls. I am so eager to hear his analysis and his insights into uh, college football and the landscape uh, and he'll, he'll be joining us coming up in the uh, 3.30 segment and will be with us all the way to 5 o'clock, of course, for Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day. And uh, why is Neil not here at the top of the show? Well, Neil is a high school football coach as well, ladies and gentlemen. And as fate would have it, his uh, first game coaching with Fort Vancouver High School was destined to be played on a Saturday afternoon. So he is preoccupied with coaching duties, but he is on his way uh, to the studio. He'll be joining me for the uh, final 90 minutes of Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day, coming up at 3.30 when we shift on over to FM News 101 KXL. All right, let's get after these games as well. You can tweet at us at 1029 The Game, and uh, I'm at Judah Newby as well. On the scoreboard in the Pac-12 right now, 15-13 to 13, Auburn, with the lead over Washington. Jake Browning is 14 out of 25 for 243 yards and a touchdown. It was a slow start for Jake Browning and company, but they have since stemmed the tide, put up 10 points in the second quarter. Auburn is punting the football back to Washington right now. I picked Washington to win this game despite being a two-point underdog. I think they opened as a three-point underdog, and then that line started getting down closer to one and a half, and then the starting left tackle for Washington, Trey Adams, a preseason All-American, he did not make this trip. He's banged up, and against a defensive line like Auburn's, that raised a lot of concerns for Washington. That being said, as, as you look up and see highlights of Auburn's defense making plays in the backfield, that being said, Washington still has seemed to found have found an identity on offense and uh, a little bit of offensive rhythm as well. Elsewhere, Wyoming leads Washington State 19-13. to That is midway through the third quarter. USC with the true freshman, JT Daniels at quarterback. The Trojans ranked 15th in the country. They're in a battle with UNLV right now. 19-14, SC leads the running Rebels at halftime. JT Daniels in his first start. 15 for 25, 25 pass attempts in the first half for this guy for 136 yards. Keep in mind, JT Daniels is a guy that was supposed to be a high school senior this fall at Matter Day. He reclassified just so he could become a starting quarterback at USC. He did, had to compete for the job. He won the job as a true freshman. It's been him and it was Matt Barkley in 2009 the only other true freshman to ever start for USC in that illustrious program's history. So right now, SC only a five-point lead on UNLV at halftime. California, could they be an interesting team to contend in the Pac-12 North? Right now, they're making a statement on North Carolina, who is in all sorts of disarray with the suspensions and the way that Larry Fedora kind of leads that program. It's a little hit and miss with them. California all over UNC right now. That is 17 to nothing early in the third quarter down in Berserkley. And, of course, Chip Kelly debuts with UCLA coming up at uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon. And about an hour from now, the Bruins hosting the Cincinnati Bearcats. 
down uh, at the Rose Bowl. What will Chip Kelly's first offense look like with UCLA? Their talent is thin, without a doubt, especially on the offensive and defensive lines. But, you know, are they going to be able to get bowl eligible? Over under for wins, right about six for Chip Kelly and crew. Oregon and Bowling Green kicks off at 5 o'clock. The Ducks now favored by 34 and a half points. Might see some value on Bowling Green there. Arizona State and UT San Antonio. 7.30 kickoff for that one on Fox Sports 1. The fighting Herm Edwards. Herm debuting for ASU. What are the expectations for him down in Tempe? 15 minutes after that, 7.45 p.m. It is Pac-12 after dark, Arizona and Brigham Young. Kevin Sumlin debuting with Khalil Tate and company for the Wildcats. Arizona, a 10-point favorite at home. Other scores, Utah went uh, all over Weber State 41-10. That was the final from Thursday. And it was 41 unanswered points for the Utes who were down 10-0 early in that game before wiping it all away and shutting out Weber State from the second through fourth quarters. Stanford ranked 13th in the country, down 7-0 early to San Diego State. We were all scratching our heads and wondering whether this was going to be deja vu all over again to steal a line from Yogi Berra. Would Stanford lose to San Diego State for a second year in a row? Well, Stanford ultimately got the memo. Keep in mind, they win 31-10 in this game. No thanks to Bryce Love. Fewer than 30 yards rushing for Bryce. 1.6 yards a carry. But J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, six grabs, 226 yards last night, and three touchdowns. And the last one out of the Pac-12, Colorado, taking down their rival, Colorado State, 45-13. to Steven Montez, efficiency at its finest. 22 completions and 25 attempts, went for 338 yards and passed for four touchdowns. That brings you up to date on what's going on in the world of the Pac-12. Of course, keeping our eye on Auburn and Washington. We'll go away. We'll come back, get some game day traffic. Nick Aliotti, former Duck defensive coordinator and of the Pac-12 Network, he'll join me coming up on the other side of this timeout at 3.30. It is Portland Timbers pregame. Countdown to kickoff with myself and Neil Lomax. We'll be on at 3.30 on FM News 101 KXL. You've got countdown to kickoff. Back to Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax, presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on 1029 and 750 The Game. Coming up at 3.30, Countdown to Kickoff kicks down on the FM dial to 101.1 FM KXL. Judah Newby and Neil Lomax will continue to bring you the programming here in about 12 minutes' time over on our sister station KXL and make room for Portland Timber Soccer. But until then... We're going to talk to Nick Aliotti, former Duck defensive coordinator, now with the Pac-12 Network. Happy week one, Coach Aliotti. How are you today? Outstanding. Thank you, Judah. I tell you what, I absolutely love college football, and it's always super exciting on day one. Uh, I know there were some games earlier in the week, but officially to me, this Saturday is day one of college football. Well, let's start with this Washington-Auburn matchup because team ranked sixth in the country in Washington. Auburn comes in ranked ninth in the country. How big is the result of that Washington-Auburn game for the Pac-12 as a whole? You're talking about a conference that had such a disappointing bowl season last year. They're looking for more respect. They've been shut out of the college football playoff last year. How big would it be for Washington to beat 
a possible SEC contender in the likes of Auburn for the sake of the conference? I think this game is huge. I hate to I hate to put so much on one game, but because we were one and eight in bowl games last year, uh, there was a lot of talk about that, and and this game will carry a tremendous amount of weight down the road. We believe, and you never know going in, Judah, but we believe that Washington is one of our premier teams in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. If Washington can get a big win today against Auburn, and Auburn is as good as advertised and, you know, beats, beats the likes of the LSUs and the Georgias and the Alabamas, or at least get some of those, and that will go a long way if Washington does what we think they'll do this season to boosting the Pac-12. Nick Aliotti is our guest on Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day. Washington's head coach, Nick, is uh, Chris Peterson. He's got ties to UC Davis. I know he's a Yuba City, California native. You, of course, have ties with UC Davis, as does former Duck head coach Mike Bellotti. Just thinking out loud, what is the, the connection between UC Davis, not really known as a football hotbed per se, but... It's produced the likes of some pretty impressive college football coaches, yourself included. Well, I thanks for the, the kind words. I'll tell you what. When we played at Davis, our coaches were so good at such great teachers and such good men. They made football fun. It was Division Two, and you're talking about a long time ago that I played. And even longer for Bilotti. I hope he's listening. Uh, <laughs> you know, we played a long time ago, but it was so much fun. And our guy, our coaches made it so enjoyable that I actually went to Davis to be an engineering major. And when I finished playing, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but when I finished playing, uh, my head coach, a Hall of Fame head coach, Jim Soaker, asked me to coach my position, which was a running back. And I, I chose to do so right after my senior year, and I just fell in love with it. Mm. So uh, I think the fact that love the game of football, but they made it so much fun, and as you find as you get older and you get more involved in a higher level of football, it's not quite the same, but it still was a labor of love and a great profession for me, and I've truly enjoyed every year of it. That's fantastic. Pivoting to the Oregon Ducks. You guys have this game on the Pac-12 Network coming up at 5 p.m. 24th ranked Oregon hosting Bowling Green at Autzen Stadium. The Ducks now a 34-point favorite. I want to ask you about Justin Herbert, coach, because his progression has been so fun to watch, but it's really hinged on whether or not he's been healthy, especially last year after the collarbone injury. Now he's got a bunch of off-season hype. People are talking about possible Heisman considerations. Just what is Justin Herbert stepping into now as a junior ready to break out for Oregon? I, I, I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. I think the sky's the limit for him. If he could stay healthy, that's a huge key for Oregon's success this year. I, I think everybody knows that. I think the guy's a tremendous quarterback. I expect him to be take another quantum leap uh, in his progression as far as not only his athleticism but knowing defenses and knowing coverages and seeing things and directing that offense. 
I expect great things for him. The thing that's going to be interesting to me is, for the first time, I see the other weapons that Oregon has being so new, uh, really unknown to a great deal, that he's going to need some of that supporting cast, be it the running backs and particularly the receivers, step up because they have a high-quality quarterback, and these receivers are going to have to step up and be on the same page with him. I think those guys, the other parts, are going to be a big key to Justin having the type of success we think he's going to have. Nick Aliotti joining us on Countdown to Kickoff. Coach, five new head coaches in the Pac-12 this year. That's unreal to think about. Mario Cristobal is one of them. Coach, how helpful is it that Mario Cristobal, entering his first full season as head coach of the Ducks, has the assistance that he has on his staff, particularly Jim Levitt running the defense? Yeah, I think Coach Levitt did a fantastic job last year. Uh, you know, they cut, and I may be a point or two off, but they cut almost two touchdowns off of their uh, scoring defense from the 2016 season. I think that they've uh, got a culture going now, and it'll take a little bit more time still to where they've, they've made some great strides. Uh, he's, a, he's an excellent coach. When you go into your second year, guys already know pretty much the system when you keep a guy there like Levitt. So I, I think the defense is going to be even better this year than they were last year which will bode well uh, for that Oregon Duck football team. So when you look at the North Division, Coach, do you still have Washington and Stanford as clear-cut favorites, or could Oregon be a sneaky contender? I think Oregon could be a contender in the North. Uh, You know, until I see these guys actually play a few games, you know, we all go into a season with the hype and, and all these, you know, talking heads, me included sometimes, of what we think we know. But until I actually see teams play, uh, after I see teams play, I have a much better idea of what they truly are about. But I think Oregon, the fact that they play Stanford and Washington at home, uh, gives them a chance to win the North. Washington is the favorite going in, but I think Oregon does have a chance, particularly if they get off on the right foot in these first three weeks. And while we're in the business of week one season predictions, who is ultimately playing in the Pac-12 title game at the end of the year? On day one, I'm <laughs> going to go Washington and Utah. Oh, I like it. I like it. What about Utah makes you excited? I love the way they played defense the other day, the other night. You mm-hmm. know, I, I know it was against Weber State, but they just completely stifled Weber State all night. Uh, it, it is a lesser opponent, but... That's the way you want to start your season. I think I'm not sure Weber State had 100 yards of total offense. And I don't care who you're playing, that's hard to do. And I know that Utah uh, really likes their secondary. And whenever you have a secondary that can cover guys man-to-man and you can load the box and really take away that run on the early downs, it goes a long way. So – it's early. Uh, it's really early. But going out, out the shoots, I'm going to go with Washington, and I'm going to take a long shot in Utah because I like the way they played uh, the other night. 
I can't blame you there, Coach. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your thoughts on Chip Kelly with uh, UCLA. What What do you think he's in for in year one? Not sure they have enough offense. Uh, the line is 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 not very uh, experienced. They're playing a new quarterback. Uh, running backs, everybody has a guy, but I don't see a dynamic guy. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is not enough playmakers in year one, but Chip is an excellent coach. Defensively, uh, I went and watched their fall camp. I really liked what they were doing on defense. So uh, they could stay in games with their defense if they stay healthy because I like what I saw, but offensively, not enough weapons uh where I think they're going to get the big, long, touchdown, explosive plays, which you need in college football nowadays. It's hard to drive the ball. But Chip will get that team going uh, in years to come. And November 3rd, he makes his return to Autzen when UCLA visits Oregon. I know fans up here cannot wait for that game. Coach Nick Aliotti will be watching you on the Pac-12 Network today. Thanks so much for joining us, as uh, you will each and every week on Countdown to Kickoff with myself and Neil Lomax. Thanks so much for taking the time. We'll watch you on the TV and enjoy week one. Thank you very much. You guys have a great day. There it is, Nick Aliotti here on Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day. I'm Judah Newby. Neil Lomax joins me on the other side over on Sister Station FM News 101 KXL. Taking you up till 5 o'clock kickoff for Oregon and Bowling Green. Coming up next, Portland Timbers Soccer here on 1029 and 750 The Game. Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day. With Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on FM News 101 KXL. All right, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff here on FM News 101 KXL. Taking you up to 5 o'clock. Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day. I'm Judah Newby. Neil Lomax, the former Portland State legend and uh, former NFL quarterback, will be joining me all season long on uh, Countdown to Kickoff and, of course, on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show as well. Thanks for tuning in. We've got Ducks and Bowling Green kicking off at 5 p.m. It is week one of the college football season, September 1st, if you could believe that. We have officially flipped the calendar into the month of September and uh, getting ready for a bunch of week one kickoffs, including later on tonight, you have Arizona State kicking off. You've got Arizona kicking off. You've got Chip Kelly and UCLA set to debut just past uh, the top of the 4 o'clock hour as well. We've got Washington facing Auburn, and as we speak, UW has just taken a one-point lead on Auburn in a huge game there, and there is just so much to break down and, and to get to. Let's welcome in our uh, our guest and my co-host, Neil Lomax. Countdown to kickoff. Neil, how are you, man? Countdown to kickoff. It's here, man. It started Thursday night, actually. That's it's right. Great. There's some great uh, yeah. games on Thursday night, Friday night games. Yeah. Uh, were fun to watch last night. We talked about the Stanford-San Diego State game. Uh, love that kind of football. You so, know? And it's kind of close like that, and all of a sudden, here comes Stanford again. I go, Coach Shaw just keeps on going over. <laughs> but my Vikes played last night, too. Yeah. I only want to take... Yeah, this, what else you want to talk about? Happen, that happened last night, right? It happened last night. You know, <laughs> yeah. and they got a paycheck. We got, got 325000 helps the win, program. Man. Well, it's not really. I mean, it's yeah. money, I get. But, yeah. you know, when the Wolfpack put – I tell you, Ty Gangi, I talked to Wolfpack because a couple of weeks, Oregon State faces them, 
right? Week and three, Oregon week three. State goes so, down there. Yeah, they get the little sun in Utah tomorrow, which is not quite Ohio State. We'll obviously talk about that, too. But <laughs> no, there's a great game going on right now, the Huskies and the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, and I just got off the phone with uh, Nick Aliotti, the former Duck right. defensive Listen. coordinator with the Pac-12 Network, and kind of got his thoughts. But I'm curious your thoughts as well. I mean, to have a Washington-Auburn game this early in the season, week one, the implications seem pretty massive for the back 12 pending the result of this game and right now it's a one point game in the fourth quarter how big is it in your mind for the pack 12 to have Washington win this game well it's really big especially uh what were one in 11 or 12 in bowl games last year or yeah. whatever one in the nine you know and it's it's we kind of got a little black eye and uh, as far as the pack 12 is concerned that we were the quote weaker you know power mm-hmm. five conference and it showed up that way with the bowl games. This is the bowl game. This, this is a January 1 bowl game. Right. This, this is old days. This is the BCS bowl game. Wait, Auburn played in that stadium for <laughs> yeah. their bowl game last yeah. year. Yeah. So it's a way game. Washington played in Chick-fil-A, that game. Chick-fil-A, I don't care. They're making millions on these, you know, and you got three or four of these neutral site games this, these last three or four years. And I think that's what the NCAA wants to do. I think what the fans want. Right. They want a week one bowl game, and that's what these are. And they're, these schools are getting paid a whole lot of money. You don't need it. But, man, the risk of playing in these and losing early on, now you're playing catch-up. And right. Coach Peterson doesn't need that. And Gus Malzahn, they've been there. It's the SEC, Pac-12, and everybody, oh, the Pac-12, they can't play SEC. Well, Washington's got a pretty damn good quarterback. They've got <laughs> a great quarterback. And Jake, Jake Browning, I mean, I kind of want to talk to him. And in comparison with Jake Browning and Justin Herbert this year, in this sense, I mean, Jake Browning has the leadership qualities, and he's got the experience being a senior and Phil Steele, whose magazine I, I love to read, the college football preview. Got, got a copyright here. This guy's, <laughs> right this guy, got a, this guy's amazing because I want to look up. What the heck? Bowling Green? Like, yeah. what about Bowling Green? <laughs> it's the Falcons or the Mac. And, yeah. You know, no, I got to see Ben Roethlisberger. No, you didn't go there. Miami, Ohio. That's or, right. That's there's right. Some, some good players come out of it's, that. I mean, Marshall. So there's some great good, schools yeah. that play in that Mac. But th- this yeah. guy's he is. He, he writes a great book on a college preview. So he's Look got up. Jake Browning as his first team all yeah. college conference preseason quarterback but he's got Justin Herbert as his highest rated prospect for the NFL draft so there's a difference there right there's a difference between a top college quarterback and a top prospect for the NFL I think Herbert what what do you think about this Justin Herbert regarded as a better NFL prospect than Jake Browning but if you were going into a season the 2018 college football season who would you rather have as your quarterback the senior Jake Browning or the junior Justin Herbert yeah either one (laughs) <laughs> no, to me, either one. No wrong answer. The ones, the ones I've had in the past, co- coaching college and high school, I'll take either one. You know, th- this is what prognosticators do, and this is what the experts kind of do. Oh, he's going to be a number one draft pick, and this, that. You know, last year's class was pretty good. You know, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, you got uh, Darnold. Darn- Sam Darnold, you got May- four May- or five. Field, yeah. I mean, Lamar Jackson might be get some playing time with the, the Ravens. So mm-hmm. that was a great class. I don't know if this class can be like that, but yeah, prototypically, who doesn't like uh, Justin Herbert staying 6'6? Six, six, Six five six six. Maybe they give him an inch because of roster. We always do that. You know, always. I was I was six three yeah. two fifteen, but the roster six four yeah two twenty two. When I weigh in on the I radio, was cut. Yeah. You know, yeah. no fight. They give me a four seven forty anyway. Hey, Justin Herbert's got nothing but upside. Both these guys, nothing but upside. But let, let's just focus on the season. Yeah. We always call it a win, and win means that this. What's important now? Mm. So if he starts worried about his number one draft 
choice, the number one, what everybody's saying about him, they're going to have a poor year. I don't think Justin's going to do that, and Jake's not doing it right now. He's in a battle for his life right now. This is a good game going on. It's an incredible game with uh, so many implications, of course, for the Pac-12. Uh, we'll tell you what else is coming up on Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College game day. We're taking you up until 5 p.m. right here on FM News 101 KXL, and that's when the Ducks will kick off with Bowling Green. Of course, you have Oregon State and Ohio State. That one has already gone final. We're going to break down that game. We're going to break down the Portland State game from last night as well, and and more top 25 action. Keeping our eye, of course, Michigan-Notre Dame. That kicks off at 4.30. That's another matchup of top 15 schools. Notre Dame, 12th in the country. Michigan, 14th. In South Bend, Indiana, that's going to be a real barn burner, but probably more of a defensive battle than anything, considering what uh, the units on of both of those teams. Also going to get Neil's thoughts on... Herm Edwards going into his first year at Arizona State. <laughs> Kevin Sumlin going into his Man. first year at Arizona. Five new coaches in this conference, Neil. This is unprecedented. Well, and to me, the pressure's on Chip Kelly. Yeah. Oh, come on, Neil. He's first. No, no, no. Chip Kelly. It's Chip Kelly. And he brings a lot of attention on himself. He doesn't really want it. But what he's done in the past in college football, how he really not so much reshaped Oregon. I mean, I give, give Mike Bellotti some credit, what they've done those years. They had some great years from Joey Harrington and some great players back in those days and early 2000, moving on there. And I think Chip came in and inherited a pretty good program. You know, okay, you shine the helmets and you got to make your, you know, Chip is tough as a decision. What uniforms are you going to wear? Well, okay, i got to spend 15 minutes here to figure out what helmets and what uniforms you want to wear. I mean, if that's the most difficult problem you got, he had it going on. Life is good. Life is good. And he has some great players around him. They All of a sudden, the mojo just happened. So Westwood, Rose Bowl, they're going to expect that. We want the mojo. You did it there? Yeah, the pros is different. It's totally a different animal dealing with those millionaires. Yeah, babysit the millionaires. Now, these guys are pretty good. He's recruiting them. He's responsible for it. But you're in the Rose Bowl. I mean, it's UCLA. And they expect, we don't want to be the second-class citizen in the USC. You can't miss a bowl game in your first year and expect people to be patient with you. Uh, you know, you're, you're, gonna, you're not going to be fired. Don't get me no, wrong here. That's but true. You, you win four or five games. We're right. like, Chip. What the heck? Yeah, they're going to be looking for something. What are you doing down there? Speaking of which, I'm looking at the scoreboard right now in the Pac-12, Neil. How about this? And we're, we're going to talk about this. Uh, uh, you can go to USC game on I'm, me? I'm looking at the USC yeah. game, too. Because <laughs> look at this. It's 26-14 now, Trojans. But a minute ago, it was 19-14. That's a one-score game. That's It's now 26-14, early fourth quarter. But you got to keep your eye on that. In the Coliseum. In the Coliseum with a true freshman at quarterback in JT Daniels. Well, he's not. No, he's a true senior in high school. In, tr- in I, high I know, school. I know you talked about that. We brought that up the modern day. Yeah. That's the modern day farm club it's to amazing. USC. You, you, you Google that and find out how many players from modern day high school. I don't think it's a high school. It's a JC. It's a JUCO. <laughs> That's a Catholic JUCO. Okay. <laughs> so they're sending these guys to USC and everywhere else. There's five or six different quarterback receivers. That's. That's impressive, seventeen-year-old yeah. kid, <laughs> and you're taking snaps. And and no disrespect to Division Two or like the UC Davis and the Portland States, but maybe JT can handle that. You're at USC. I mean, you at USC. Sam Darnold was just there, and you're starting. What that? What's that tell you? How really? How good he is at that age, and not. I mean, you beat out two or three other guys that have been there. That's so impressive. That's really impressive. Coming up later in the show, we're going to get our predictions and our picks for the Pac-12 North and the Pac-12 South. And But just to foreshadow that a little bit, a lot of people like Utah to challenge USC. Even though USC was the favorite in the media poll in the preseason, people look at the way Utah plays defense. 
the way that they were down 10 nothing to Weber State on Thursday and then went 41-zip on them the rest of the way, right? I know it's They, they had a turnover, yeah. and they had a long ball <laughs> catch. Okay, but yeah, go I, ahead. I'm hearing a lot of experts that like Utah out of the South, but to me, you know, we'll get to this in an hour too, but JT Daniels is the real deal leading USC still. and I don't think you can look at that and just treat him as a, say, hey, they have a 17-year-old at quarterback, therefore you got to degrade him a little bit. I, I think he's a chance to really produce and be a top-level quarterback in the Pac-12 conference this year. We'll get your thoughts on that as well coming up. Washington State and Wyoming in a one-point game in the fourth quarter right now in Laramie. Got to keep our eye yep. on no, what Coach, yep. Coach Cole Bowl is doing <laughs> at Wyoming right now and what Coach Leach has in store at uh, Washington State as well. We'll go out to break right here. We'll get you a, a traffic update and come back with segment number two. We'll continue whipping around the rest of the Pac-12. Neil will give us his thoughts on the Oregon State-Ohio State game coming up on the other side of this break. Did Oregon State prove enough today in Columbus to warrant you know coming out of that game? Are you happy as a Beaver fan? Should you should you be optimistic about the future going forward, despite the opposition putting up a 70 burger? I'm eager to hear Neil's <laughs> thoughts on that. Coming up on the other side, go out and see you get some uh, game day traffic. More countdown to kickoff part of Oregon College game day coming up next here on FM News 101 KXL. A bunch of barn burners in college football today. Washington currently leading Auburn 16 to 15. Let's go around the Pac-12. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax, countdown to kickoff here on FM News 101 KXL. Part of Oregon College game day. Final score from Columbus, Neil. Ohio State, fifth in the country. Sons Urban Meyer, 77. Urban, Urban who? Urban who? Urban, I, I've never heard of him, actually. And, and, well... And I also hear it's Urban Liar, but I don't want to. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I, I'm not going to bring that up. We'll just tease it a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, just just tease it. Buckeyes 77-31 win over Oregon State. Doing the quick math in my head, that is a 46 point spread. So technically, technically, Ohio State covers the spread. It was Ohio State <laughs> minus 40 at kickoff. But the Beavs put up 31 points in this game. Which I look. Do you believe in moral victories if you're the Beavers? I believe in competitive losses. Okay. There's the big difference, and even the college, that's how I term it. I think a lot of coaches will term it that way. It's a moral victory, you know, big paycheck, whatever, that kind of thing, the experience, and yeah, but still, putting 77 on you, no. No, this, this is not a fun plane ride home. It is not. They're not feeling good in the locker. We talked about this when we teased on Canzano's show a little bit about staying one, two, three scores, uh, I don't know what's worse, the thunderstorm delay thing or well, how the Beavers' defense kind of like, – let's put it out there. I mean, Dwayne Haskins, absolute stud. I'm just going – I thought J.T. Barrett uh, was, you know, graduated. Oh, he did. Mm-hmm. It's Dwayne Haskins. I mean, they, they just reload. Unbelievable. Offensive line. I mean, anyway, that's a lot of points. But you can take a lot of positives offensively because I'll just start right now. And I'm a, I'm a quarterback and I'm a coach too. You start going through number two and number three at the quarterback position – God bless Brian Lingren and, and, and Jonathan Smith. You know, put some band-aids on that thing. That's right. Man. Jake, Jake Luton made it one pass attempt yeah. into this game before he got rocked. And that was one of the worries because, look, Nick Bosa is going to be a first-round draft pick for Ohio State. They've got one of the best defensive lines, if not the best D-line in the country. Some would argue Clemson. Some others might argue Auburn. Ohio State has a nasty defensive line. Jake yep. Luton has the injury history. He makes it one pass attempt into this game and then concussion protocol. I mean, your heart goes out to that kid. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Jack, you're up. The canvas yeah. kid. Connor, they, Connor they, they, they go. And pa- Jack paper makers, paper makers, get in there. Wow. No, that's a that's a big deal, and I'm, I'm looking down. But 
I was so impressed, Dwayne Haskins, how they yeah. ran that offense, just not missing a beat. This felt so like this was like week five, week six. They didn't really care who they were playing. And, um, you know, again, that, but the, the delay, too. I mean, that had a lot of water coming down. Have you Judah, been, that, that have was you been a lot part of water. Of a, uh, have you been part of a game yeah. that had a weather? What, what's well, that like? Lightning. We were playing the Chiefs one year um, in Tampa. We played Tampa twice. Every time we played Tampa, we had a thunderstorm, <laughs> lightning delay. Yeah. And thank God one year it was. Kind of got people out there remember Hugh Green. People remember Lawrence Taylor. But please, just Google Hugh Green. And on his, on his highlights, you'll see me in his highlight reel more than you see myself in my own damn highlight reel. He just Hugh, had- oh, he was an absolute stud out of pit. And thank God for those lightning delays. I had to go back in and fix my flak jacket every time I had to play Hugh Green. <laughs> But they were they were terrible though on offense. <laughs> they were so bad. It was a win, but still, can, can someone put a hand on Hugh Green, yeah. please? Yeah, you still have uh, nightmares about oh. that guy every once in a while. Guy, yeah. But I mean, anyway. I got I, I, I imagine it's so tough if you're a player, especially college players, where mental toughness is, plays such a role to like have a weather delay. You're already for, and up for that long. It. For that one is yeah. twenty thirty minutes. It was amazing. I I I couldn't. Uh, Imagine how Oregon State, who was already getting trounced, would have to come back out and try to stem the tide and keep it close with Ohio State. Their offense ended up producing, you know, 31 points. That's that's pretty good for Oregon State against that defense on the road. But the 77 speaks for itself. You mentioned Dwayne Haskins. I mean, he was putting up Neil Lomax's numbers today. <laughs> 22 for 30 for 313 yards and five touchdowns to one pick. Five to one. I can live with that ratio. But that guy can can ball out. Ohio State... With or without Urban Meyer, that's still an elite, elite yeah. program. No, they, again, to me, they looked like they were week three, week four, yeah. uh, very polished. And yeah, you go in, you're still down by three scores. You got to sit around for 50 minutes. I mean, how many orange slices can you eat? And what are you going to talk about? How many adjustments can you make? You know, like, well, God. But again, I look at, at the positive things of being competitive, going through three quarterbacks. I know they talked about we might put Blunt in after we have, you know, Jake might play a little bit and we might throw in. Coletto a little bit here and there, but not with injuries. You just don't think about that's going to happen. So I was really impressed how they kept their. Everybody talks about composure. These are college kids, you know, so they're going to. They better keep their composure. They're on scholarship, Dan. You know, you guys got to play. But going through three quarterbacks, and I'll tell you what, Artavis Pierce. I, I know he didn't play a whole lot. He had Ryan Nall last year. Right. You know, a little bang, bang. This one, no bang. This was dynamite TNT. Boom. That guy was very impressive. 11 carries for Artavis Pierce, 168 yards and two touchdowns, including an 80-yard yeah. run. This well, guy, two, two of his runs went for like 120 or so, right? Exactly, yeah. But, hey, that, that's a competitive positive I would take out. that. Hey, we have that kind of bang, not just a little boom, boom down the middle. It's a big-time bang, and you have that as a running back. And they'll, they'll start, hey, Southern Utah – yeah. No disrespect, Ohio. But you're not Ohio State, and that's that was a big, big chance of going over there. What, what a, to me, what a great job just going to big horseshoe and playing a team that's probably a top three, top four team in the nation. What do you think about Jonathan Smith as a first year coach at Oregon State? Kind of what what he's up against. Obviously, the talent disparity will be there in most of the matchups, but big picture, feels like the right hire, is it not? Well, ask me that in week eleven or week ten. I mean, come on. The expectations on this game was, you know, you and I could have coached, and really, I'm not, no, you know, really, you're going to, it's Ohio State. Right. What else can you do? And not, and Jonathan knows, I really respect him. I think he's a great guy. I mean, he's the only former player. You know, what a quarter, what a story, a walk on. I mean, the guy's like 5'10, 
I mean, what he did competitively and, and how he performed and executed as a quarterback, people would say, oh, yeah, you had Chad Okashinko, you had TJ Huthmazada, you had Steven Jack, yeah, you had. No, he still had to be the trigger man. He still had to be the field general. And I respect that out of him. He's going to bring the same thing as a coach because look at his career as coaching. This is not just three or four years here. He's been around a while, a lot of experience, and under Chris Peterson, too, which is still a pretty damn close game, even though Auburn just went up 21-16. Uh-oh. Six years Jonathan Smith spent under Chris Peterson's tutelage. Imagine what kind of truths he learned about coaching under a guy like that. I mean, Chris Peterson, universally respected as one of the elite coaches in college football, and, of course, we're keeping our periphery on that game. 21-16, Auburn leads Washington. Oregon State 0-1. Predictably so, but silver lining, 31 points. I'll take that. Artavis Pierce, 168 rushing yards and two touchdowns. I'll take that. Even though they had 70 yards in sack loss, sack yardage Yeah, loss, don't talk about the total right? yardage for but Ohio State. Despite, Please, don't don't bring up. It's like that, yeah. anytime it's <laughs> north of 600, <laughs> that's Portland State scores uh, back in the day. Yeah. Countdown to kickoff. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax, FM News 101 KXL. Bold predictions coming up. And Andrew Greif of the Oregonian and Oregon Live. That's in front of us next here on FM News 101. Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff. Part of Oregon College Game Day with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on FM News 101 KXL. Week one college football Saturday. It is back and a flurry of close games on the scoreboard right now, including what's going on up in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, or rather down in Atlanta, Georgia. The devil went down there and is robbing Washington right now of a week one game. Auburn 21 to 16 lead late on the Huskies. And I lead with that score with Neil Lomax here on countdown to kickoff because it has so many implications really because these week one games, Neil, they, they can set the prism for the rest of the college football season because moving forward, we'll always judge Washington's schedule. We'll always judge Auburn's schedule by the result of this football game. And right now, it's not looking good for the Pac-12. 90 seconds to go. Auburn just first forced a turnover to get the football back with a 21-16 to lead. I mean, it's a defensive slugfest. It's yeah. living up to the hype. Yeah, and right now you're, you're hoping for it's a, it was a forward pass and incomplete. And, right. You know, Jake's in, I think, concussion protocol now, so he might not see him with a, you know, with a minute 31 left. And this is the SEC. This is what they want, the physicality of it. This is the 21-16s. You know, 17 14. They want these NFL kind of games. Keep it close. This is how they pound you. Because let's face it, Pac 12, 42s to 21s, 38s to 30s. That, that's where high scoring, a little more. Not that that's, that's fluff. It's two by two. It's spread offense, zone read, uh, run pass options. Not that you get physical and you have corners that can lock down, like Auburn has corners. Miles Gaskin's been struggling here. They're all struggling. You, you play their game. And that shortens the game up, and all of a sudden you're not scoring 30, 40 points like you're kind of used to, and you do that in practice. You've been doing it in the past, especially like a quarterback like Jake's been around a long time. This is Auburn's game now to, to win. We'll talk to Andrew Greif of the Oregonian and Oregon Live. That will come up in about uh, 20 minutes from now. We're going to have that just after the 4.30 segment as uh, the Ducks will kick off against Bowling Green at 5 p.m. Out of curiosity, Neil, what style of football do you prefer? 
the modern spread them out fast paced style or the more of the pro style <laughs> system that's more prevalent in the SEC is is one better than the other? Is there one more enjoyable type of football for you to watch than the other? Well, is that rhetorical? I mean, I'm Portland yeah, State. I mean, like, I mean I Mouse. Know, yeah. My God, we yeah. didn't have a punter. It was awesome. Shoot, yeah. you know, like, come on, Mouse's system is great. It's, <laughs> you got like, 18 receivers and give me five offensive linemen that can hold just for a little while. That's what yeah. we did. And, and, you know, and then Mouse never recruited a punter or anything. So we just threw every down. And now it's kind of that's what all the teams are doing. And there's different concepts of that. We talked about complexity of adjustments of routes. Right. You know, so I yeah, I like more scoring. But you guys huddled I, up I, at I, least I, back in PSU, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we didn't, no one knew what a muddle or a no huddle was, but right. we, we'd had to huddle a little bit because officials didn't know how to spot the ball that fast back in those <laughs> days. Like, what the hell, you guys? Can you guys take like five seconds in the huddle? Because I don't even we don't even know how to, you guys go with. Anyway, it was a blast. Mouse is awesome, man. That guy, he still looks great. By the way, the guy's like eighty three. He's just he's he's shooting his age in golf now. Love what? the guys so much. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, we gotta get him on the show. He'll just come in one day. We'll just we'll laugh for thirty minutes. We it's should awesome. do that so, ne- next week. Oregon plays Portland State. Yeah, week yeah. We'll, we'll get mouse on. Yeah. So so offense. I mean, I, I like scoring. I mean, yeah. everybody likes scoring. Uh, I, I know the NFL is trying to get to that point now too. To let the receivers have more opportunity to catch the ball. I don't know what the hell is a catch. They still can't figure out what that is in that leg. Don't ask but me. I love the fact, hey, one one foot in control, make it easier for the game to, to evolve and move and move and move. I I'd rather have 30, 40 points scored than a than a you know ten to seven game. All right, Neil. But I also like to win. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. If I win, I'll take ten seven. That's right. Okay, dude. Okay. What the dub? The dub at all costs. That's what we're after. Yeah. It's time for some bold predictions. And we were talking off air a minute ago. Let's start actually with the Portland State Vikings. Given what yeah. happened last night, obviously not an ideal way to uh, to start the season. A 71-19 to defeat to the Nevada Wolfpack. Portland State being your alma mater with Bruce Barnum, Barney Ball. I mean, he's a lovable guy. He's a great guy to get behind. But we got to be honest, they're coming off a winless campaign last yeah. year. You know, what are your thoughts on Portland State moving forward, uh, given their season-opening defeat last night? Well, beyond this was a money game, you know, and then next week's a money game, even a bigger money game. We're getting over seven hundred thousand from the University of Oregon, so thank you very much for that check. I mean, wow. it really helps the program. Uh, these guys know that that game to next week is come on, it's the Ducks, but this game they had a chance because you remember last year, Portland State goes down and really should have beat Oregon State. We were all there, a couple of extra points. The missed kick at the end, whatever, whatever, if, ands, and buts, sugars and nuts, whatever, whatever. But the bottom line is Portland State deserved. They played better, so they were in that good. The BYU game, right. really comp- really good football game, really good game. So your expectations going to Nevada is, we'll keep this close, a couple scores, but then it's all of a sudden, boom. You know, uh, Portland State, the new uh, defensive coordinator is in, Piam Sadat. Uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Mountain West, I guess. Unreal. Uh, but they they lit it up. They had a great, great offense. I tell you, I was so impressed with Ty Gangi. Uh, McLean Mannix, the receiver, was awesome for them. Uh, so Jay Norville's got it going in the Mountain West. You better watch out for Nevada Wolfpack in the, in the Mountain West. Week three, Nevada will host Oregon State. And given what Oregon State looked like defensively today, albeit it's the horseshoe, so you know take it yeah. with a grain of salt. But it's interesting to see how Nevada exploded against Portland State last night, knowing in the back of your head, in two weeks' time, we're going to see the Beavers in the identical situation. I wonder how that game's going to turn. And out. it's there. It's it's in Reno, you know. So it, they're fast. That's right. what I saw. They're fast. They're flying around. Fast. I mean, Portland State is not that bad, uh, but you still put seventy plus on them. Uh, that, that hurts. It hurts coming home, but they'll regroup. They're going to have Oregon, and then we get College of Idaho. Then you know it's apples and apples, kind of after that. It really is. That's what you got to look at it. 
and, and, and the players know that, and the coaches know that. But that was a tough. They really thought they'll be competitive a lot more than I think. Uh, I know Bruce and the guys all feel disappointed that they let that many points get by. Because I tell you, I was watching two Portland State defense. Uh, you got some guys there that Samiz Kofi and, and and Larry Ross are great defensive linemen. I actually, I actually coached Samiz Kofi at Roosevelt. Is that great right? player, yeah, great player. Glad he's doing well. Case and Jacket played well. Uh, but offensively, again, they're going to come along. And Charlie T, the tight end, is awesome. Uh, he had two great catches for touchdowns. Davis Alexander is going to do his thing. He'll get as he gets more and more starts. He only played half the season last year. They're going with him at quarterback. Uh, I think after the Oregon game, game they'll get back into it. And you got to win four or five games in the Big Sky. That's the, that's the pressure on Barney Ball is win four or five games in the Big Sky. Of course, they are at Oregon in Week Two. Uh, that will be an 11 a.m. kickoff next Saturday. So that means our countdown to kickoff show will be from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. over on our uh, sports sister station 102.9 and 7:50. The game. Curious your thoughts as well. Portland State moving their home games to Hillsborough Stadium from Providence Park. What kind of effect will does that have around the program? That's an image thing, and I think the, the 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 athletic director Val Clary and their staff, Tyg Howell, will do a great job of just making that an image. You, you do what you do. You still brand it out there. It's Portland State football. There's a conflict with the Timbers, and the Timbers draw so well. They really do. And the Thorns, right? Can't argue with that. He can't. Judah, you can't. They're they're getting sixteen thousand for the Thorns sellouts for the Timbers. They're, they're exciting to watch. It was a conflict. I understand it. Go out there. It's an image. It's an attitude thing. They, they control their attitude and their effort wherever they go play. And I guarantee you Portland State's been there before. When they did a renovation at, at Providence Park a few years ago, they played four or five games out there before. So I think it should be an advantage, and they're going to teach it that way and coach it that way. This will be our advantage going out there and playing football. It does not seem that long ago that we were watching Portland State in a playoff game against Northern Iowa. Yeah, David Johnson's alma mater. That, that They came to Providence Park, and that was a good game for about – three quarters before Northern Iowa ended up winning it. But that was a year that Portland State upset Wazoo week yeah. one on the Palouse. How much work does Bruce Barnum have in front of him in order to get back to that level? Well, he's going to work it, every yeah. day. It's nothing going to change him. They're, they're going to go to work every day. Right. They're not, not going to work harder now that they lost by something. You don't do that. You just work better. You make adjustments, you'll work better. And that's what he'll do. They'll, they will work better. They might make some changes here and there. They found out, okay, that those guys can't play. That safety's got to be moved. They will make their right adjustments and work the same way they've been working. Neil Lomax, I'm Drew Danuby. This is Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day on 102.9-750. The game taking you up till 5 o'clock when the Ducks kick off week one against Bowling Green. we got a lot of Ducks predictions to get to as well. That's coming up on the other side. Bold predictions for the Oregon Ducks and our Pac-12 North and Pac-12 South picks as well. Plus, Andrew Gray for the Oregonian and Oregon Live will join us at the bottom of the hour. Countdown to kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day here on KXL. Oh, we are having an absolute blast in the studio right now, keeping our eyes on all the close games. We're going to get our bold predictions for the Oregon Ducks coming up next, but Appalachian State taking on Penn State in Happy Valley right now. And keep in mind, this is 11 years to the day that Penn State upset Michigan in the big house. Neil, you've got this game yeah. fired up on the iPad. Where are we at with this game? I do. There's just a controversial call here. On the, well, it's not kind of fourth and one. Uh-huh. And in, we're the first overtime. Oh, my goodness. So Penn State scored. So they're up by seven. 45-38. Appalachian State had the ball on the 14-yard line. They're doing official review here, and they're going first down. It's 45-38. Appalachian State just got a... 
Yeah, Holy Michigan, I asked you oh. this. I said it had to be about 10 years ago. Everybody yeah. remembers that. They had no chance whatsoever. I mean, Vegas took it off the board. Yeah. They went at 40 points difference or 40. They just took it off the board. Don't even, don't even bet in this it's game. It's basically Bowling Green, Oregon today. Yeah, I mean, and Franklin's yeah. going crazy on the sideline. I love it. Like, oh, my God. And, this, and again, you talk about bold predictions. Right. I, I would say the people I was talking to back east and some of the friends I have that played with me, and one guy was a linebacker at Penn State. Oh, we had national champions this year. National champ. Now, they, they get away with a, a win here. Oh, in the end zone. Oh, Penn State Is just it, picked it off. Uh, interception in the end zone? In the end zone. Unbelievable. The Nittany Lions survive. Wow. There's a live reaction to a very, very close call. Penn State ranked 10th in the country. Wins in overtime at home over yep. App State. My buddy Todd Blackledge is going right now. He's going, what the heck was that? But we won. A good friend of mine. He's, he's going. A good analyst. He was going crazy. <laughs> this thing is. What are we doing? Their coaches are hugging. Oh. And, yeah, what a game! What a game! And no, Penn State. No, that wasn't a good game. You won though. The bottom line, you did win. But this is what's so great about college football. It really is. You can't predict this stuff, you, you, man. You, you think there's no way, chance, and you know what that Appalachian State has to go. Thanks for the check, Bobby. Seven hundred thousand to come play Happy Valley opening week. We'll get a win. Trace McSorley, you might be a Heisman Trophy guy. So this set them back. Even though they won, it set them back a little question mark about, okay, how does Penn State handle some of these road games coming up? Can't so, wait to yeah. see how that affects the great big game. What a great college game, though. Amazing college game. And it just goes to show you, you can't predict this stuff. So on that note, time for some bold predictions. I, I, <laughs> I hate predictions. <laughs> these experts. I'm not even an expert. I just... Neil I'm going to complain about Lomax. it all the time. That's what I'm going to do. College football Jeez. expert himself, Neil Lomax, uh, ready to, to offer some bold predictions here on a countdown to kickoff. Uh, in real honesty, though, what do you think of the Oregon Ducks as they enter 2018? We know they've got the, t- the quarterback in Justin Herbert. Big expectations upon him, and the storylines are so good with Justin. Growing up, a Eugene native. Going to games at Autzen, you know, knowing the Dave Wilcox family, the Justin Wilcox family, of course. He's at Cal. Yeah. And Justin's yeah. at Cal. Cal. I mean, yeah. you already have that rivalry, Bruin. And the fact that, you know, they're picked to finish third in the North Division with Washington one and Stanford two, and then the Ducks right there at number three. But it's a soft non conference schedule. They've got Stanford and Washington both at home. With the high-flying offense and a great quarterback, Neil, do you think that Oregon can fly under the radar here, pardon the pun, and maybe contend for the North Division title? I don't think it's flying under the radar. It's expected. Oh, yeah. Mario Cristobal expects us. The players expect it. They all expect it. The Duck fans expect it. It's them in Washington. In the North. It's what, them in Washington. What about Stanford? I, them in Washington. What I saw, what I saw wow. last night. What, that's what I, a bold what prediction I, what I, what I thought, right there. What I, well, I'm an expert, right? <laughs> I'm actually getting paid to do this too, so this is kind of exciting. Give me a game check for this. I'm just telling you what I what I think now. What I see, just my gut, and everybody's out there has predictions and whatever you want to say. But I just like the way Oregon plays, how they played when Justin went down last year. Different ball club. He stays healthy. They have the the talent. Everybody has talent. They have two to three deep talent. That's what Oregon has. That's the difference between. When you play them in a Portland State, you play them in a Nevada, you play them in other schools in Division One AA, it's the second, third tier level guys that keep popping in, popping in. Mm-hmm. You know, third down guys, second down guys. Here, here they come. That corner goes down. You got another four or five star kid that they're good. Washington, Oregon have that. I think those two teams, that game at Autzen, 
to me, is going to be an epic game, and that's the game that's going to decide. I think Stanford, they're going to lose it. Every year, they kind of lose one or two. They had it kind of close last night. Right. But I'll tell you what, J.J. Arceta, Whiteside, is that boy a beast or what? 226 yards receiving for J.J. Arcega Whiteside of Stanford yesterday. That's going to be a guy that Oregon will have to slow down. But you mentioned that matchup with Washington. Yeah. October 13th okay. at Hudson Stadium. Ducks. Huskies, Huskies, of course, 0-1 now with the close loss to Auburn. Oregon up until that point, Neil, I mean, you're talking Bowling Green, Portland State, San Jose State, Stanford at home, on the road in Berkeley. Yeah. Week 5, you can't forget about that one. That can be a sneaky game down there. It's never easy to play down there. And then you come back to host Washington week 6, October 13th. That could have massive Pac-12 North implications. Yeah, yeah, and, will. yeah. And again, when you say soft, the soft schedule is the first three games. So don't right. when you start playing your Pac-12 opponents. Hey, here we go. Right. Here we go. Get mm-hmm. your big boy pants on. Here we go. I don't care where you play. It's the Pac-12. You know, or tell Oregon that last year at Arizona State, they really should have won that game with Justin, and they all of a sudden kind of found a way to lose that thing. It was an exciting game, but that what could happen in this league? All the all the leagues are like that. You know, this might be a, another. We talk about one loss team. Go in the playoffs. There's, it's so competitive. There's so much out there. They see players. It's called Appalachian State. Yeah, that's crazy. It, it, it's, they're out there. And so, anyway, talk about the North. That's right. I'm still going with Oregon and Washington. Who's going to win the North? Who is playing in the Pac-12 title game out of the North Division when it's all said and done? Uh, let's, let's take a break. I don't know. We actually do got to break. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Question is that. Bold predictions, man. You come in. You come in hot. You say Stanford. It's not going to contend. No, for the North. they won't. So let's let's wait. I'm going to save that All one. Right. Who will win the Oregon when they go for the North? Who's going to win that one? We'll talk about that later. We'll talk yeah. about it later. All right. All right. There's a uh, Neil calls to play right there. Uh, we're going to go to break. We'll come back on the other side. Andrew Greif of the Oregonian and Oregon Life will join us uh, coming up in a little bit. We're going to get his thoughts on how the Ducks. I, I really want to walk through with Andrew unit by unit where the Ducks have the the strongest uh, what is their strongest unit what is it on defense you know because you have a playmaker at every level for the Oregon Duck defense where's the strongest unit outside of Justin Herbert on offense is it the offensive line a lot of people think that they're going to have a true freshman starting on the offensive line coming into uh, week one with Bowling Green we'll talk to Andrew Greif about that in so much more coming up you're listening to countdown to kickoff here on FM News 101 KXL I'm Chuda Newby Neil Lomax the college football hall of famer across from me he'll be there of course as well for the postgame show Oregon college football postgame later tonight UCLA has scored their first touchdown of the Chip Kelly era. November 3rd, Bruins, Ducks, Autzen Stadium. So keep that on your calendars, college football fans. The return of Chip Kelly himself. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax, countdown to kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day, FM News 101 KXL. Go out to the phones right now. We're going to talk to Andrew Greif. He covers the Oregon Ducks, does a marvelous job for the Oregonian and Oregon Life. Follow him on Twitter, at Andrew Greif. Uh, going to talk to Andrew about uh, Ducks Bowling Green. Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time. Happy week one of college football to you, my friend. I'm glad it is back. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> Oregon and Bowling Green coming up. They're going to kick at 5 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Uh, First things first, Andrew, what are you most looking forward to in this kind of lackluster matchup just from, you know, obviously Oregon is favored by 34 points. That speaks for itself. But 
game within the game, what are you most looking forward to watching in the season opener for the Ducks? It's going to be the Oregon defense and how they play against the Bowling Green offense. We don't really know what this Bowling Green offense is capable of. Everyone knows that in the last month of the last season they played pretty well, but I feel like um, that's really all that we're hanging their hat, uh, our hat on in terms of how good this team could be. So I would just like to see uh, whether the defense can force some turnovers, uh, if they can be effective from the start, or if it takes them a little bit to warm up. Um, I, I just want, I want to see how they carry over the improvement from last year uh, into this year. It seems like you can identify a playmaker at every level of the Duck defense this year. What unit would you consider the strongest on that side of the ball? I would consider the defensive line because it's all back. You know, Austin Fowley, uh, Jordan Scott, Jalen Jokes, three starters basically returning uh, from last year. They all had um, so much experience and just a lot of snaps that I think that there is going to be uh, the most amount of continuity from 2017 right there. Linebackers, I would say, is slightly behind because you look at three of the four spots, um, and Justin Hollins, Troy Dye, um, Lamar Winston are guys who were all major starters last year. So I think they're very comparable, but the D-line, um, with Gary Baker behind them, Drayton Carlberg, again, guys who got a lot of snaps last year. I think that there is probably the, least, the fewest amount of questions uh, entering the season around that position group. Flipping to the other side of the ball, and I want to ask about units outside the quarterback position because I definitely want to get into Justin Herbert and his outlook for the season. But there are a couple of units on the offensive side of the ball that pose intrigue, particularly the backfield. What's it going to look like with Royce Freeman now departed for the NFL? We know Tony Brooks-James will probably be the primary ball carrier, but what are another couple of names that Duck fans need to start getting familiar with now because they'll be playmakers in the near future? Well, they've got about four or five options behind Tony Brooks James, who is the no-doubt starter. And that's the big question because uh, how do they play, when do they play, what situations will they be used in? Because on the depth chart, the running back spot at number two was said just simply situational. Uh, you know, I think that Cyrus Habibi-Lukio is a guy who is the biggest of any of the backs. People, just based on his frame, liken him to Royce Freeman. Obviously, Royce is a generational running back. It's probably a little unfair to Cyrus. Um, this early in his career, but he's a guy who I could see maybe potentially in some short yardage situations. Um, other guys, though, T.J. Verdell is like a bowling ball in pads. He's been ding- um, dinged up, though, in fall camp. People talk very highly about him, but he wasn't completely healthy after, I think, uh, entering a hamstring at a Nike practice. So there's uh, everybody kind of behind Tony Brooks James has had some level of, uh, you know, a little bit of an injury in fall camp, and so they should be all healthy now, but how they are used is going to be the big kind of tip-off, I think, to all of us who are wondering, what are these guys best at? Because there's a lot of options. We're talking to Andrew Greif on Countdown to Kickoff. Follow him on Twitter, at Andrew Greif. Playmakers on the outside, Andrew. We're looking at Dylan Mitchell to step up and have a big year. This Tabari Hines guy, though, I mean, he I love his personality. I love his production from his time at Wake, and he's obviously going to have an elevated quarterback from what he's used to. 
You know, what What can he bring to the receiving core? I mean, this unit was good last year, but they weren't great. Can Is Hines the type of player that can elevate that pass-catching unit to become great and maybe one of the better ones in the conference? Potentially. He's a guy who had an off-season knee procedure, so he didn't enter fall camp healthy, although he is uh, just fine right now. He was listed as a backup on the depth chart this week, but as Mario Cristobal said, maybe not entirely fair to him because he is um, going to be used a lot, especially in four wide sets. You know, they can only have three wide receivers on their depth chart, three wide receiver spots. So he's probably more in line to be a fourth starting receiver, I think, than a backup truly. Dylan Mitchell is a guy who left practice this week with an injury, was in a red no-contact jersey on Wednesday, but Cristobal expects him to play today. Um, I think that Brandon Schooler could have a nice year. He had some really good cam- some really good catches in camp that I think caught people's attention. And Johnny Johnson and uh, Jalen Red are the guys who have gotten a lot of attention to. And Cristobal has pointed out on multiple occasions how impressed he was with Red's camp. He's a shorter guy. You're probably going to see him in the slot, but I think that he could be explosive. Everyone returns on the offensive line except for Tyrell Crosby. And I keep hearing good things about this guy, Panay Sewell, this freshman that I believe is going to start at right tackle. Is that right, Andrew? What what kind of what kind of addition is Sewell to the offensive line? Uh, he's a 6'6", 360-pound addition to the offensive line. Um, <laughs> he is, I think he might actually start at left tackle. Oh, okay. That's where he's been used most often. They put him on right tackle in the depth chart, but in practices he's been with the first-team offense at, left, at the left side. He would be the first true freshman, Duck Lineman, to start the season opener since 1997 to put his uh, impressive fall camp into perspective. And uh, he is going to be protecting Justin uh, Herbert's blind side. I mean, you don't have to really say much more than that in terms of how much they trust him already. I think that in the, you have in the middle Jake Hansen at center, Shane Lemieux at left guard, 25 consecutive starts apiece for them. At, I think right tackle will be Calvin Throckmorton, 25 consecutive starts for him. And then at, at right guard, you're going to see Alabama transfer Dallas Warmack, who has two years to play and obviously is a guy they, they like quite a bit. I can't wait to see how that unit meshes with now Mario Cristobal that used to coach that unit exclusively, now coaching the entire team. You mentioned Panay Sewell blocking the blind side. Of number 10, Justin Herbert. And Andrew, you wrote a stellar piece on uh, Justin uh, earlier this week. The 2018 season is unlike any other, and I would recommend it's great reading. It's evergreen reading, really, for the entire season for any Duck fan. Find it on OregonLife.com. But, Andrew, I mean, you, you include in your piece a picture from the Justin Herbert's family of him in 1998 as a toddler sitting on the lap of the great Len Casanova, and it just reminds me of almost how perfect, almost how too perfect a narrative it is that a kid like Herbert can grow up in Eugene, become the athlete that he became at Sheldon, still fly under the radar enough to be picked up by University of Oregon, one of his very few D1 options, and now he has just seemed to blossom into becoming a star going into his junior season with the Oregon Ducks. I'm not really sure where I'm going at with a question on that, but I guess what did you take away from the depth, the in-depth piece that you wrote on Justin Herbert this week, spending time with him and his family? Well, I think that what I took away was 
last year I wrote a story about kind of some other Ducks connections he has with the Wilcox family, you know, Justin Wilcox. Uh, he was named after Justin Wilcox, whose father is Dave Wilcox, NFL Hall of Famer. Uh, Dave Wilcox is best friends with Justin's uh, maternal grandfather, Rich Schwab. So we all knew that he had deep ties, but this one I think was a little bit different because I didn't realize how involved his grandfather was in the, kind of in the Oregon program in the decades after he left the program. So that was fascinating. I mean, people from Mike Bellotti to Ducks who played in the 1990s, Ducks who played even after that were saying that they knew Rich and they just um, he was always around, always asking to help. And that's kind of what Justin is playing for in a lot of ways this year. There's so much added pressure from all the noise about Heisman Trophy talk, All-American talk, could be a first-round NFL pick, NFL draft pick this spring, should he decide to forego his senior year. All that stuff is out there, but it really came through that um, he's also, you know, kind of almost using this season as a tribute to his grandfather, who, as a Duck alum, introduced Justin and his two brothers to the game first. And so it's, um, it's, it's a major loss for the family, but I think that um, everyone I talked to said that his grandfather was extremely proud that he had become the Ducks quarterback. He's proud of all of his grandchildren and whatever they did, but being the quarterback at Oregon was obviously pretty dang special. As far as the outlook for this season with Justin Herbert, um, physically he looks imposing, <laughs> even more imposing than he did last year, and a lot has been made about the poundage that he put on in the offseason. And I'm sure you know, you've been at practice with, uh, with the media availability every chance you've gotten to see Justin Herbert in fall camp, does he look to you like he's on the doorstep of something very special, something maybe potentially Heisman-worthy, dare I say it, entering his junior year? I, I think it, it, it really is all there for him, depending on how things break. And I say break purposefully because last year the collarbone changed Oregon's season completely. But I, every the potential is not overhyped. You know, you see the way he throws the ball. Um, it just looks so much easier than the other quarterbacks on Oregon's roster who, you know, have a lot of talent themselves to show up at Oregon. But Herbert, you know, being 6'6", um, having a major league quality arm, I think that the ball just kind of comes out differently. Michael Johnson, senior of the receivers coach, he spent a decade in the NFL. He said earlier in camp that Herbert's making NFL-type throws. You can kind of hear the ball. You hear the seams as it nears the receivers. Um, so, uh, you know, if these receiving, if this receiving core, which had a lot of questions entering this season, can uh, be steady and be healthy and, and give him the type of uh, targets to throw at, then I think that, I think that you're going to see one of the back to, top quarterbacks, definitely. And how about his head coach? Mario Cristobal, age 47, second stint as a head coach, of course, after coaching FIU from 07 to 12, and then he had the assistant experience under Nick Saban, the assistant experience under Willie Taggart last year, and now the head coach position really thrust upon him at the end of last season. It had that uh, lackluster finish in the Vegas Bowl, but now he's got a full off season with the head coach label, a full off season of recruiting, keeping some key assistants, which which was tremendous for him, and now he's worked through his first full fall camp as Ducks head coach. Does Mario Cristobal look like a man who is ready to take the next step as a leader? Well, I, I know that he definitely looked back at that Florida International uh, tenure for six seasons and just really has learned from that and is trying to uh, 
from the you know the years he was with under Saban, basically learned from the master of college football. So there are lessons that he took from Alabama that um, and just ideas that he's implementing here in terms of the offseason program that were certainly different than anything he was doing during his first stint. So I think he would say he's a better coach now than ever. And uh, I guess we're, we're about to see it happen. You know, that the Vegas Bowl was absolutely a disappointment for Oregon. The circumstances surrounding that game were a little crazy with the timing and, and the head coaching change and just everything was in flux. And all of a sudden, boom, the bowl game was there like eight days later. Uh, nonetheless, didn't leave a great taste in people's mouth. So I think this is today especially the Ducks are 32-point favorites, and it's a really big opportunity for him to kind of show maybe more so what his stamp on the program really is. Well, we're looking forward to watching it. We're looking forward to seeing what the offense looks like and how it might be modified, if even slightly, from, from last year. Uh, Andrew, I could talk to you for another you know hour, two hours, but we'll save that for another time. Appreciate you taking the time ahead of Oregon and Bowling Green coming up at 5 o'clock, and uh, we'll continue bringing you on, of course, for Countdown to Kickoff and uh, On the Bald Face Truth on Mondays and Fridays. Andrew Greif of the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Andrew, thanks a lot, man. Hey, thank you. Appreciate Andrew Gray taking the time. Five o'clock is kickoff for Ducks and Bowling Green. Coming up, final segment of Countdown to Kickoff, part of Oregon College Game Day with myself and Neil Lomax. We're going to get Neil's keys to the game for the Ducks coming up next, plus Michigan-Notre Dame. And a shout-out to a local kid that set a record for Syracuse last night. That's all coming up next on Countdown to Kickoff. Final segment, countdown to kickoff, part of Oregon College game day with the Ducks and Bowling Green set to kickoff on the Pac-12 Network. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax. Uh, first, shout-out to a local kid that had a huge game last night. And I honestly, I can't believe this guy is still in college because I feel like we've been talking about big games for him in Syracuse for like five years now. you got you got to talk the numbers, right? Eric, Get- yeah. yeah, look at this. Eric Dungey, the Lake Oswego native. The La- La- Lake, Lake Ridge High School. Lake so Ridge give, High School. props for the Pacers. 15 carries. Quarterback, by yeah. the way. 15 carries, 200 yards. That smashes the single-game record for most rushing yards by a Syracuse quarterback. And there have been a couple quarterbacks. Donovan McNabb. Yeah. There have been some good Syracuse quarterbacks. But how about Eric Dungey getting Syracuse the win week one over Western Michigan, which ended up being a tight game down the stretch. Row the boat. Eric Dungey, Row the shout boat. out Lake Ridge, Neil. <laughs> That's right. I know you know and, that And he also passed well. for like 213, and, and I watched a little bit of the highlights. Guy's got a little swag. He does. He, hey, look, Eric, yeah. be careful. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Take a deep breath. Go back. Clean your room. Clean your room. Come on. <laughs> you, know, you got a little cocky there, bro. Let's get week one. But I love. rush yards, man. You know what? It's not cocky if you do absolutely perform like he did. So congratulations, Eric and the family. I know they're still in Lake Oswego area, and that was awesome to watch him play. Michigan Notre Dame going on right now. Seven nothing. Notre Dame leads early first quarter. Quick prediction on that. Uh, well, Hardball's going to go through three khakis. The three khaki <laughs> pants. I'm telling oh you, through. I, I'm going to go with that prediction right now. I love three it. khaki. He'll lose his glasses. The over under is two and a half. So you're taking the over two well, and a half what's khakis. What's that? Was that shorts? You're two oh. and a half is shorts. He's going to go cut off? No way. The black shoes with the white socks? No, no. no, no. The glasses? Oh, no. Full pants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm taking Notre Dame in this. Notre Dame wins uh, hmm. last three minutes, field goal or touchdown. Be a great game. I'll take Michigan. Now let's go Ducks, Bowling, Green. First of all, what's the key for Oregon? What's something we haven't talked about with them yet that you're looking for? Just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, the, ne- the next two, three weeks, Judah, you can coach. Okay, everybody's fine. I'm Cristobal, the pressure. Oh, yeah, it's going to come in the Pac-12. These first three weeks... 
you got to do what you do well, and that's beat these teams by 40, 50 points. That's what, that's what everybody expects you to do. Go out and do it. Is there a position Na- not named Justin Herbert that you think yeah, is going to be key offensively? Well, the Ducks are always the right receivers on Dylan Mitchell and Johnny Johnson. But here's the guys I'm looking at. When I watched them last year, I've been very impressed with the Y for the, the tight end. I call them the Ys. Cam McCormick, Jacob Breeland, right. watch number 84 and 27 sneak in there and make big plays. I tell you what, Ryan Bay is third on that depth chart, too. He can make a lot of plays there. Cyrus Habibi Lakio. You heard Andrew Greif of the Oregonian mention him. He's it's kind of second or third on the depth chart at running back, but they talk about this guy as if he could be the next LeGarrette Blunt type. And, and, and CJ. And and C- C- well, CJ Verdell gets yeah. in there, but still, Taj Griffin, Travis, Travis Dye might play. <laughs> it, it, well, his brother wants him to play. Yeah, I, I know is. that. His brother's really pulling for him. No, it's going to be, it's, it's running back by committee. They're so fortunate to have three, four talented guys that come in there every other snap. Score prediction? 63 17 Ducks. Woo. 60, yeah. I'll go. I'll I'll do you one better. I'll say sixty-four. Well, I got to miss in the extra point. So okay, it's closest what? to the pin. Closest to the pin. Uh, I'll do. Uh, I'll say sixty to twenty. Sixty to twenty. Ducks cover the spread. Yeah. All right. What to go out there, Judah? What to really go so, out on the limb? Yeah. Real, real bold predictions. He's Neil Lomax. I'm Judah Newby. That puts a wrap on countdown to kickoff here on FM News 101 KXL. Right after the game. Right after the game. Final whistle. You go to 102.9750. The game. 503-417-7575 will be the phone number. You sound off with us for the Oregon College Football Post Game Show. We're out. A thousands turn.